Hello and welcome to a quick hit of I Have So Many Questions. This is a little sugar fix from time to time that that's varies from the regular show. Try not to be as windy on these things as I have in, on the regular program. Wanted to kind of follow up on something from a previous episode, from episode six. But first, please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. It helps generate publicity, helps expand the reach of the show, helps build my cult of personality, which as I've established is the ultimate goal of this podcast. The Twitter address is, or the Twitter handle, I should say, is at I have so many pod. The Facebook page is I have so many questions podcast. Show's also on Instagram, I have so many questions podcast. The email address is I have questions podcast at gmail.com. I'd been putting this off a little bit because I wanted to wait and see what happened with this Ralph Northam governor of Virginia situation with the yearbook photo. I'm not going to talk about the lieutenant governor and the sexual assault allegations against him because that's not really where my focus is. But there is the Virginia attorney general comments that he's made about his prior actions in the, I guess for him, for him it was in 1980. But this whole situation with Ralph Northam reminded me of episode six of the podcast where I talked about what politics is going to be like 35 to 40 years from now when you've had politicians who have grown up or born and raised and grew up on or grew up in social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, what, what YouTube, myriad of social media platforms that have existed, currently exist, and are yet to come. And then this Ralph Northam situation came up and it kind of, and the Ralph Northam situation reminded me a lot of that podcast. But instead of talking about things to come, Ralph Northam kind of gives us an example, an idea from the past going backwards and how those events affect things today. And it kind of gives you an idea possibly, or it gives us something to think about, about how to address these things going forward when it's probably very likely that the social media footprint of an individual who wants to seek elected office or go out there and work for the government or whichever is probably much larger than the, the microcosmic issue with Ralph Northam's yearbook page. If you're not aware, if you haven't been paying attention, Ralph Northam is the, democratically, is the Democratic governor of Virginia. He was elected in 2017, I believe. So he's only in, he's just started the second year of his term. Interesting thing about Virginia is that you can only run for one term. You're, if you're elected governor, you only, you get a four-year term and that's it. There's no opportunity for re-election, which is very unusual. But Ralph Northam was elected governor in 2017. He's in the second year as governor. He's a Democrat. A couple of weeks ago, Northam went on a radio show and was asked a question about legislation that had been proposed in Virginia to alter the requirements of Virginia's late-term abortion law. And Northam, and this is this will become a theme with him after that. Northam did a very poor job of explaining the existing law and explaining what the proposed changes to the law were going to be. He did such a poor job that conservatives within the state and nationwide blew it up to be a sanctioning infanticide is how it was spun. I don't think I've heard the word infanticide more. Let me backtrack. I've heard infanticide used more in the last two or three weeks than I think I've had heard used in the last 10 years. But Ralph Northam on this radio show stepped in it big time. 
somebody out there who was familiar with Ralph Northam in a certain capacity, in, in some capacity, was so offended by what he said that they were able to, or they either had in their possession or they were able to locate a yearbook from when Ralph Northam was in medical school. He's a doctor which also made this explanation of his on this radio show even the more uh, vexing because he's a doctor. He's a licensed medical practitioner. So he should be able to, one would hope, be able to do a fairly decent job of being able to explain this, the, the existing law and the changes that were being made to the law. Somebody out there was so offended by what Northam had said on this radio show that they located, they either had or they located a yearbook from 1984 from when Ralph Northam was in medical school. Evidently, in this yearbook, there must not be a lot of med students, or this is a very... Because each student evidently got their own yearbook page, uh, like a two-page spread from what I can recall seeing. And on this two-page spread was a photo. It has no caption. We don't, it, there's no date on it. It has no caption. We don't know who took the photo. We don't know when the photo was taken. We don't know who's in the photo. But there's this photo, and it takes up practically an entire page of this two-page spread of Ralph Northam in his yearbook, and it shows two individuals. One individual is wearing, is in blackface, and looks like he's wearing glasses and possibly, I think, a wig. Standing right next to him, and I think the person next to him is putting their arm around them. I think they've got their arms around each other, like they're buddies or something. The other person's wearing a clan hood. Again, there's no date on the photo. There's no caption on the photo. We don't even know who took the photo, okay? There is no information on this photo in this yearbook at all. The immediate implication, because it's on his yearbook page, is that it's Ralph Northam is one of these two people. Evidently, this yearbook photo, these yearbook photos were not submitted by Northam. Northam evidently had no involvement in the construction of the yearbook page. He was provided no feedback or no input as far as we know of on the yearbook page. He says he didn't even know that well, he didn't even know how this page looked or he hadn't looked at this yearbook or he'd never looked at it or he hadn't looked at it in years, something like that, some kind of contrived excuse. But by all accounts, it's accepted or agreed that Northam had no involvement in the photos that were selected for the yearbook page, for the yearbook page. Evidently, these were photos that were selected by the editors or whoever was constructing the yearbook at that time in 1984. Now, there is an indication that the photo was selected because Northam, apparently, in, around that time or pr prior to that, had a nickname of Coon Man, white man from living in Virginia, which was, need I remind you, the capital of the Confederacy. For a white man in Virginia in the let's say, 70s and early 80s to have the nickname of Coon Man doesn't look good or sound good for Ralph Northam. This unknown individual who was so offended by Northam's radio interview found this yearbook page, sent it to a conservative blog, and it went thermonuclear rapidly. I mean, it just went thermonuclear like that. It was everywhere. It was like it was released Thursday night, and by Friday afternoon, uh, Ralph Northam was the most hated man in America. You had Democratic leaders calling for his res immediate resignation, Democratic presidential candidates, members of Congress, uh, the Virginia Democratic delegation. You had members of the Virginia Black Caucus calling for his resignation. All Everybody wanted him to go. Northam, Friday night, releases a statement apologizing for the photo, and for an error in judgment. What Northam doesn't do in the statement, though, is that one, he doesn't confirm that he's in the photo, and two, he doesn't confirm which person he is if he is in the photo. He doesn't confirm in his statement whether he's the person in blackface or if he's the person wearing the hood. So he releases the statement apologizing, which is essential, which is treated by like it's a mea culpa. Yeah, that's me. I'm one of those people. 
but he doesn't provide any details. He doesn't provide context for when the photo was taken, what was going on at the time, or what his thought process was in when that photo was taken. You know, what was he doing? He, he basically says, he doesn't explicitly state it, but he says, yeah, that's me. 24 hours later, within 24 hours, Northam on a Saturday afternoon holds a press conference and what is arguably one of the most bizarre press conferences I've ever seen that didn't involve Donald Trump. Northam goes into this press conference, and this is evidently after he's been meeting with his staff all day and that type of thing, and they're trying to figure out what to do about this situation because the calls to resign are still, they're, they're just growing. You've got Republicans opportunistically telling him he needs to resign, all this kind of stuff. You've got Democrats telling him to resign because the lieutenant governor, a man named Justin Fairfax, I think I got his first first name right. I know his last name is Fairfax. He's the lieutenant governor, um, very popular. He's young. He's uh, considered a rising star within democratic politics. He's the lieutenant governor. Northam steps down, he steps in. It turns out shortly after this press conference, a variety of allegations against Mr. Fairfax emerge that are way worse than the allegations against Northam. Northam has this press conference on Saturday afternoon and again completely reverses course and says, that's not me. I don't know where that photo came from. I don't know why it's on my yearbook page. That's not me. I am not either of those two individuals. And then proceeds to admit that at some point in his past, in a talent competition or some kind of dance contest, he did dress in blackface to impersonate Michael Jackson. And that was the only time he'd ever been in blackface was to be Michael Jackson in this dance competition. And the weirdest part was you had a reporter ask him, can he still moonwalk? And Ralph Northam looks at him with this stupid shit-eating grin on his face. And for a moment, he's thinking about demonstrating right then and there that he can still moonwalk. And he looks to his wife and his wife says, that's in, in a very stern motherly voice, which says, are you freaking kidding? Which just reeks up. Are you freaking kidding me? You're actually, you stupid fool. You're actually thinking about, you're actually taking this question seriously. And she flat out says, this is, this now is not the appropriate time. And Northam says, well, my wife says now is not the appropriate time for that, for this, um, so not right now, with still the shit-eating grin on his face. It's like, you stupid, tone-deaf idiot. Really? You're trying to assuage people that you're not racist, that you're not in that photo, and all this kind of stuff, and you are... That And you are taking this situation about as seriously as my kids taking their bedtime seriously. The first time I tell them to go to bed, not the fifth or sixth time I tell them to go to bed. He's just, it's absolutely, completely clueless and tone deaf. It's a horrible press conference. He doesn't put his foot in his mouth. He puts a loaded 12-gauge shotgun in his mouth that has a hair trigger. It's a wonder the gun doesn't go off. That's how bad of a press conference this was. Northam says, I'm not resigning. I'm not stepping down. I, this, that's not me in that photo. You can't hang this on me. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. And to date, as of the recording of this quick hit, he still hasn't gone anywhere. It looks like he's going to be able to ride this out, probably because the situation with his lieutenant governor is so much worse. At the same time, the attorney general, who's third in line in succession in the state of Virginia, is also a Democrat. So if the governor and the lieutenant governor step down, the Democrats still have a Democrat that would be governor. So I'm watching this situation and I've been biding my time. I wanted to see if, you know, Ralph Northam, how this whole situation would play out. The attorney general has his own issues in Virginia. He says that in 1980, he uh, dressed in blackface to impersonate Grandmaster Flash uh, because I guess he was big into rap at that time. Although in 1980, if he was big into rap, he was one of the few people because rap really didn't blow, wasn't really that big in 1980. 
but he has his own issues with this whole blackface thing. And he, but now he issues a statement and acknowledges that he did this once in 1980 um, when he was probably really pretty young. I don't know how old he is. He has this mea culpa and nobody's calling for him to resign. There's no photos out there of him either that we know of. But anyway, Ralph Northam has decided to bide his time. And, and as I'm watching this situation, this is a yearbook photo that was in a yearbook from 1984, 35 years ago. But it's on his yearbook page, a yearbook page that, by all accounts, he had no involvement in putting together. He had no editorial approval, from what I understand, on what was going into this yearbook. As someone who's been in yearbooks, because I was in high school and in college, I never, ever got any feedback on anything that went into the, regarding myself in the yearbook. Hell, I can remember in high school, you know, you look up your student photo that you took that year because that was your yearbook photo. And... Then you looked in the rest of the book to see if there are any other pictures of you anywhere else in the book because you had no idea until the book came out. So you've got this situation with Ralph Northam from 35 years ago in a yearbook where he may or may not be in blackface or he may or may not be in a clan hood and a photo in his yearbook page that he had nothing to do with, that he had no control over, no editorial control over. It's not like he, they asked him for photos and he gave them the, this photo. There's no indication that that occurred. That's very similar to my mind. It's a, a similar example to what I talked about in episode six about social media. Things that you did 35 years ago, and at the time that this photo was done or this yearbook was done, Northam was 23, I think, or 24 years old at the time. So he's in his early 20s. Again, this was in med school. That was 35 years ago. What is, and by all accounts, Northam has been a moderate to progressive, in Virginia terms, moderate to progressive Democrat. He's not evident, there's no history of racist comments or what could be construed as racist comments or behavior or anything like that in the last 35 years. Certainly not in his public public behavior and his public discourse. He's considered to be a, you know, for lack of a better term, a typical Democrat. The question then becomes how much, what is the statute of limitations on that photo? If it is him, assuming that he is either blackface or the guy under the hood, if his behavior since then, let's say he acknowledged that, yeah, I'm the guy under the hood. I'm wearing the Klan hood. And here's why I was wearing it at the time. And he proceeds to say something to the effect of, you know what? I was young. I was stupid. I've, I've grown. I've learned since then. I've matured. My view of the world now um, and in the decades since then is greatly different than the ignorant, uh, myopic view of the world that I had 35 years ago. I've changed. If he had done something like that, and I think the biggest problem with this whole Northam situation is the, is the denial. That's not me. I'm not in that photo. The reverse course. But if he had said, yeah, that's me. That was 35 years ago. I made a, I was young. I was stupid. I've learned. I've grown since then. I view the world very differently. I've come to accept the outright wrongness of certain beliefs that I had or certain perceptions I had then. If he had done that, what's the statute of limitations on that? Or what's, or better, or, you know, if he had done that, how should we address that photo now? Should there be consequences for it? Should he have had, should he have been called to resign? Even, even with the situation as it exists right now, what's the statute of limitations on behavior from 35 years ago if that behavior is either dressing up in blackface or being in a photo with a clan hood on. If you have not demonstrated or you have or if you have not demonstrated that behavior since or you have demonstrated the exact opposite of that behavior and the exact opposite of that representation or that view or of that view of the world and that view of race and you have a very different view of 
racism than you would have 35 years ago. If all of your public behavior and your public actions as an elected official in various capacities and in your public life and as your in your work as a physician and so forth has been the exact opposite, the, the anathema of blackface and clanhood, foot photography. Because that's the extent of what we know. If that is him, that's the extent of we know what we know of his of his racist past. He was in a photo. We don't know anything else. And he was nicknamed Coon Man, which isn't which isn't a good thing if you're Ralph Northam. Now he says, I don't know where that nickname came from. I don't know what it means. Well, you're a white guy in Virginia. Coon Man can only mean so much. Okay? But if his all of his behavior since then is the anathema of what that photograph visually represents in terms of his view of race. What's the statute of limitations on that? Can, should that continue to be held against him? Should he have to resign and remove himself from public life and, per, and perform no further useful function other than to be a cautionary tale? And that's a question that we're going to have to – and that's a question that we've been dealing with in other capacities – there's the whole Kevin Hart thing with hosting the Oscars and tweets from years ago. He was interviewed by Ellen and Ellen vouched – Ellen DeGeneres and she vouched for him. There's the whole uh, Joy Reid thing with homophobic blog posts from years ago where she said she was hacked. And, but it, she basically said, you know, I've changed and everybody completely forgot about it. And you're starting to see this with – there's the utterly ridiculous attempts by Louis C.K. to emerge from purgatory – he probably views it as purgatory, unjustified purgatory, probably. But to try to reemerge after all of the all the really stupid and bad things that he himself has confessed to doing in the past in regards to women. But these are, and I'm sure there are other examples that I'm not thinking of in the moment. But Louis C.K. is probably not a great example because there's been absolutely no contrition outside of the confession. There's been no contrition on his part. Um, I don't think he's learned anything. Joy Reid continues to deny things and say that she was hacked. She's not. She's not acknowledged those blog posts. And then Kevin Hart has. He's kind of gotten in a defensive crouch and said, "I've already addressed this. I've already apologized." When everybody's like, "Well, did you really apologize? Have you?" He's not really done much to demonstrate that his view on homosexual his views on homosexuality has changed. He hasn't repudiated those pla- those past Twitter tweets. He hasn't embraced them either. He hasn't like doubled down on anything, but he's been very ambivalent about that. It's almost like he wants to dig in. It's like he's digging in to make a point different than what everybody else than making a different point from what everybody else is wanting him to address. He's trying to make a point different from the issue at hand. But where does that stop? What's the statute of limitations on that? How much time, how far back should you be held accountable for inappropriate behavior or inappropriate views of things? And by behavior, I mean something along the lines of dressing in blackface or wearing a Klan hood in a photograph. I'm not talking like potentially criminal behavior or sexual harassment or anything like that. We have to kind of keep this in context. For the type of thing that Ralph Northam has been accused of doing, at what point do we forgive that behavior? What does somebody have to do in order to achieve forgiveness? Because we are all about second chances in this country. If we're, and especially nowadays, we're, we're starting to, our views of convicted felons and criminals and that type of thing, our views on, on that is, are, is evolving and is evolving at a fairly brisk pace compared to say 10 years ago or 20 years ago uh, or 25 years ago. Hell, the debates that we used to have about crime in the 90s and all the, the three strikes and you're out 
and all that kind of stuff that came about in the 90s, our view of criminal justice and of criminals is very different now than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Well, if we're willing to evolve on what to do about criminals, most criminals, obviously violent criminals and sexual criminals are different. But if we're willing to give somebody who did something really stupid when they're 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, if we're willing to give them a second chance, I mean, in some states, you can't even, I think in Los Angeles, you can't ask about somebody's criminal history. In Florida, just last year, they voted to restore the voting rights of 1.5 million convicted felons, people who have done their time, not people that are still in prison, but people who have previously done their time. Once you get out of prison for a felony in Florida, you lose your voting rights or you lost your voting rights. You never got to vote again. If you'd been out of jail for 20 years, but you had done time as, but you'd done time as a felony and you'd been out of prison for 20 years, you still can't vote. That changed in Florida. Overwhelmingly, from what I understand, it was a referendum. It was overwhelmingly approved. So if we're willing to give convicted felons, to a certain degree, give convicted felons a second chance and forgive them and allow them to, to move on with their lives and have healthy and do everything they can to have healthy, productive lives and to provide them with assistance in that regard as much as reasonable, if we're willing to do that for criminals, then what degree of second chance should someone like Ralph Northam be given for something that he did allegedly 35 years ago? And another way to think about it is, is that, you know, we have politicians now that have grown up entirely in social media. Anastasia, Alexandria, Anastasia, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, 28, 29 years old. Facebook's 15 years old. So she was in her early teens when Facebook was created. So her formative years, her teen years and, in, and her entire adult life has been in social media. She's a spectacular Twitter troll. She's really good at Twitter, at, at Twitter rebuttals and snark in that regard. I don't agree with a lot of stuff she says, but her snark is stone cold. So you have politicians that are starting to emerge in that environment, raised in the social media realm, and that's only going to continue going forward. So thinking about how we should view Northam and how we should address Northam and the allegations that have been made against him in this context kind of gives us an idea or kind of can provide us with some guidance about these type of things that are going to emerge in the future as we, as our political leaders and politicians and people who run for elections, for those folks who have grown up in social media. They've been born and raised in social, on social media. And so Northam is kind of a, a test, a case study of how, of how we can potentially look at the future with social media becoming ever more omnipresent in our lives, especially in our political lives. When you have a, when the president of the United States is a 71, 72 year old Twitter addict, you kind of get an idea, you know, you kind of have to start addressing how social media is going to impact how we view and address our politicians going forward, which was the entirely the the uh, the question raised in episode six. And as within as with episode six, I don't have an answer for this. I really don't. My inclination is to say, is to kind of say it's a case by case type of thing. You've got to wait and see. I think the biggest problem with Northam is that he's not, he's not taken ownership of this at all. If anything, he's dug his heels in and denied and put his thumbs in his, put his fingers in his ears and put his hands over his eyes and, and just going la, 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 la. He's just in full-blown denial. Well, when you go into full-blown denial, it makes it very hard. You make it very hard for people to think about this and to move on. Because 
people, because at that point it's all hypothetical. You know, you need, we need something concrete in order to address, to be able to address this type of thing, to have a, a discussion about it, because otherwise it's all hypothetical. So Northam is a, in the specific, we can't really say anything about Northam because he hasn't admitted anything. He's in denial. But in terms of a case study, an example of questions regarding past behavior in the social sphere and in social with, and in specifically in the context of social media, Northam gives us an idea or something to think about in regards to what happens going forward in the future when things emerge about someone on social media from, say, maybe from when they're 12 or 13 or 14 years old. You know, there was the, um, now that I think about it, there have been athletes, Heisman Trophy winners, college kids who've gotten a bunch of recognition for their athletic achievements in college. And then all of a sudden within, by either within the same day, I think Kyler Murray within the same day, that he won the Heisman. They found all these tweets, these homophobic tweets that he made when he was 15, 14, 15, 16, or 17 years old. I can't remember specifically the age. When he was a young kid. Now, granted, that wasn't too long ago because he's like a 20 or 21-year-old college student. But it's kind of like, really? The kid just won the Heisman and some journalist felt the need to go back and review his Twitter history from years ago and find and they find this one thing that he said when he was a stupid teenage boy not that he's not much older at this point, but from when he was a stupid teenage boy and that, and somebody feel, felt that was newsworthy. And the and I remember the backlash, the blowback on that was substantial. It's like, really? This is what you felt compelled to do. It's not like they found some, that he got busted for using performance enhancing drugs when he was 16 years old on his, in his junior year of high school football. That would have been relevant. Homophobic or potentially homophobic tweets that he, that he, put out there on Twitter when he was 15 or 16 or 17 years old is not. But we're starting to see that. Your social media history is now starting and it's being weaponized, um, being weaponized by conservatives. It's starting to be weaponized by liberals. Everything that Trump says now, everybody goes back and finds a tweet. And I think this is relevant because he is the president of the United States. So anything he says now should be compared to things that he said when he wasn't president of the United States, when Barack Obama was president. He had a completely different view on things. What he says now is the exact opposite of what he said then. But we're starting to see that. This is, this is not going to be, this is not a question that's going to go away. This is going to be a question that we're going to be dealing with on a constant basis, on a case-by-case -case basis. And I don't know what the answer is to how to deal with, I think it has to be a case-by-case -case type of thing. And I, and I think it depends on the particulars of the circumstance and the facts and what's known and what isn't known and, and who the individual is and how long ago that occurred. I think you have to take everything, you have to take all the information that you can gather in its totality and then make a determination as to what to do with that knowledge. How, what decision making or what opinion or what belief, what should be done with that individual or about the situation or with that individual presently. But again, I don't know what the right answer is. Um, I don't know if there is a consistent right answer or, or if there should be a consistent process that should be applied in all circumstances like this because they're all going to be very, very different. Even if there are two circumstances with two individuals that are very, very similar to each other, I think it's reasonable to say that you know, the outcomes could be very different.
but I thought I would put it out there because the whole Northam situation reminded me of episode six. And if you haven't listened to episode six, go back and listen to it. I think it's pretty good. There isn't a lot of what I would say answers, but there are a lot of questions that are raised in that episode around this idea. But please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any feedback, I have questionspodcast at gmail.com or the Twitter handle I at I have so many pod or on Facebook, I have so many questions podcast. Your comments could be used on a future episode or I could completely ignore you if you displease me. This has been a quick hit, a sugar fix of I Have So Many Questions. I am Brian Watson. Thank you. Good night, Cleveland. <laughs>